Today on episode number 83 of the podcast, we're talking about what it's like for a family when a new guide dog arrives at home. What's up, VIPs? Welcome to Life After Sight Loss Radio, the podcast helping you discover life after sight loss. My name is Derek Daniel. I am your host and resident VIP, aka visually impaired person. And across from me is my co-host and resident sighted supporter, my lovely wife, April. Hello. All right, guys. So today we're talking about guide dogs. Of course, if you follow the channel, if you are consistent on my social media, you know that I have a, well, I I keep saying brand new guide dog. It's been over two months now. Is that still considered brand new at this point? I think it'd still be considered brand new, yes. (laughs) Personally. I think you'll know uh, what we mean by still brand new after we talk about this podcast. But we're going to talk about what it's like bringing a guide dog home on this episode because it's not just about all the training, all the stuff. I mean, I've talked about some of that and there's a whole nother video on my channel on YouTube where I talk all about my training. But this is about the sighted supporter perspective, about dealing with family, if you have kids, all that sort of thing. So we're going to talk about that on today's episode. Before we jump into it, I want to remind you that we can't talk about every single thing. So I've got resources and more information over in the show notes. So why don't you tell us where to find those, dear? Of course. You can find the show notes at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 083. That gives you ways to subscribe, get involved, all that good stuff over at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 083. That's right. All right. So let's talk about it. Guide dogs. Now, let me go back and just let's start at the beginning. A very good place to start. That's for those (laughs) Sound of Music people out there. Anyway, um, the time we started with the guide dog was back in... November, I believe. Well, even I before that. I feel like that. it was like right out a year ago now. I think it was October. Yeah, I that think we you're first probably, started talking about it. I think you're probably right. Has it been that long? Yeah. My gosh, yeah. It's a long process. So we started talking about it. I applied in November. I think that's what yes, it was. Yes, that's correct. So I applied I in November right. and there's all this stuff going on when you apply and we've talked I talked about that in my video. But from your perspective, let's just give a brief little synopsis of how did you feel? You really want me to talk about this? I do- <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's give the stripped down G-rated version. Of what? Um, it wasn't that bad. Just the the idea of not necessarily how did you feel when I came to you, but sort of the feeling of of the fears and worries and yeah. ups and downs of of your thoughts about having a guide dog because we we had sure. guide dog way in the past. Yes, but now with our older kids and stuff, just right. just your perspective off the cuff. Well. First of all, it was out of the blue, which are so many things when Derek comes to me and says, I want to fill in the blank because it's always something that I'm like blindsided by. I feel like, well, (laughs) no pun intended. As a side note for relationships, usually the person who feels blindsided, um, the other person in the relationship has thought about this for like a month. You know, that's typically the way it is. So it's like, I'm coming to you and it's been on my mind. The other person's like, what? So I just want, you know, yes, it is blindsiding her, but you know, I'm like baking it. He's been thinking about it for... Quite a long time. Quite a long time, yes. So, I mean, it was kind of a shock that you came to me and said this because for years we've said, you know, you have too much sight to use a guide dog. We thought that you, you know, most times get around very well, especially in familiar areas, which I think most people probably do. You are not one that uses your cane on a regular basis. You really don't like that and you don't use it. Um, you don't go many places without someone who um, is familiar with your blindness and your needs and things like that. So to come to me and say that you wanted to get a 
guide dog was shocking to say the least because mm-hmm. I was just not expecting it at all. Yeah, definitely. What What do you think was probably other than sort of the normal like oh, I'm shocked? Well, let's talk about this. Other than those things, what sort of thing you were most concerned about? If you can pinpoint that one thing, is it bad if I talk about the fact that I didn't want all the dog hair coming back into my house? I no. mean, we've had dogs over the years, just pet dogs since the guide dog, our Derek's first guide dog mm-hmm. shed a ton. Oh my gosh. He shed so, so, so much. Yeah. I think he had allergies yes. that we didn't know about. Right. I mean, we, we could like uh, groom him in the yard and it was just like yellow hair. Right. He's yellow lab. Yeah. Yellow hair all around him. Yeah. So it was so nuts. I think when we've had dogs, you know, they've shed as well and we groom them and t- try to take care of them. But at the same time, all the dog hair is just overwhelming to me because, you know, you see the, I'm sure anyone else who has a dog, whether it's a guide dog or a pet dog, you know, you, you have these tumbleweeds falling across your, um, you know, hardwood or even over the carpet because you're just like, gosh, it just never stops. So, I mean, I think that was the first thing, but it also then comes with all of the other responsibilities that are taking care of another life, not just, you know, your kid or your parent or, it, you know, it's a, it's a dog that you're like, do we really need to do this? Right. Well, and I think those kinds of worries and fears are important, and we're going to talk about this more as we go along, but it's important to recognize, especially from the side of support side, because when you're the VIP and you're thinking about how much this guide dog is going to give you independence and companionship or whatever, you're really kind of viewing it through rose-colored glasses, sure, if you will. of course. And there's nothing wrong with that, but the person on the other side of the table, literally and figuratively in this case, they're the ones who are probably going to be like, well, have you thought about this? Mm-hmm. And have you thought about that? And that's important to remember. Yeah. So we've got some things here that I've I've typed out, and I think it's important on this. This might seem like a negative podcast. No, like. it'll be fine. I think you're so optimistic, yes. so you've got the positive side of things, and I'm truly a pessimist, even though I like to say I'm a realist. I am a pessimist. Um, so I have that negative side of things. So hopefully we'll balance each other out. That's the hope, uh, because... The, and. She mentioned being a realist. I always joke that say that there's no such thing as a realist. That's just the word that pessimist came up with. Uh, but we do, I always try to do this on the channel, on the podcast, on the website, whatever. Always present a positive thing, but be realistic about it. Right. Like, because the realistic side of blindness is it's hard, it's difficult, you know, this sort of thing. But life goes on and you can do those sort of things as well. So we always try to present the positive side but also be very realistic. And that's what we're going to do in this episode. So let's jump into it. The first thing I have written down here is it's sort of like bringing home a new baby. And I think you <laughs> mentioned that even before I, I left for training. It's like bringing home a new baby because when you bring home a baby, everything changes, yes. right? Your whole routine changes and uh, you've got to have, uh, you Supplies know. Supplies. Oh, yeah. You know, you have to get ready for the to bring the dog home. We had to think about food and, you know, buying a kennel and having... Um, we already have a fenced in backyard, but some people might need to think about, you know, adapting their home to being able to have a dog and have room for it to run and things like that too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think too, you not only have to imagine the supplies, okay, where we're going to put all this stuff and we need to move our house around a little bit possibly. And, uh, we need to adjust where the dog can and can't go and, and, and all those sort of things. So, uh, I mean, I know now, like when we leave the house, I've got to make sure to have his bag with his uh, kibble and uh, his 
poop, poop bags, bags and uh, you know all those sort of things and his harness and his leash uh, and then we go on longer trips and and I don't mean like you know hours I just mean you know out where we might need some water right now we have a bowl a collapsible bowl in the car and in the house you know that sort of thing so you you really have to get it's like when you bring up a baby you have a diaper bag full of stuff yes. that you have to take and now you're taking home or taking along a dog bag full of yes. the things that he needs absolutely you know, if we're going to be out during his feeding time then you need to make sure that you bring food for him just like you would need to bring a bottle for a baby or yes. have the ability to be able to feed the baby in some other way yes absolutely so there is a correlation with you know it's like bringing home a yeah. baby now the dog my dog sleeps through the night so thank goodness so that is very nice uh but other than and and actually his crate he has a uh part where it doesn't you know it's not metal it's collapsible so it zips mm-hmm. and i have forgotten to zip it at night and he stays in there so in that regard it's not like having a baby but yeah. <laughs> i'm not getting up in the middle of the night with a dog thank goodness that's right and next right along with that it will be disruptive to the normal routine because the normal routine does not involve getting up, taking the dog out to the bathroom, feeding it, watering it, grooming it. It doesn't involve those sort of things. Well, even the time that you get up, because you've changed that. You yeah. used to sleep in, and sleep in is a relative term for like sure. 7.30. Sure. But at the same time, you now you're getting up an hour, at least an hour early most mornings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I have to get up because the dog's on a routine. And so now you have to keep that routine, you know, his feeding routine, his watering routine, especially with a guide dog, because you don't want to just, you know, feed it and water it all the time because, well, you've got to monitor it's going to the bathroom times. Right. Uh, You don't want to be doing that in a restaurant. So the routine is going to be changed. It doesn't matter what your routine is. It probably will be shifted. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that goes for these highly supporters in your family as well. Yeah. Um, Their routine will be shifted. Even small things like when we're leaving the house to go somewhere, it takes a little bit of extra time to now get out of the house. Like I usually will walk out of the house, get in the car, buckle my seatbelt, start the car and everybody's ready to go by the time I've done those things for the most part. Now it takes a little bit longer for Derek to get in the car because he's putting Koa in the car with him, making sure his tail's in, making sure that you know he's not going to get injured in any way and then taking care of himself and buckling his seatbelt. So it just takes a little bit longer. So I'm kind of sitting there like, we ready to go yet? And <laughs> then we finally are truly ready to go. So. Yes. And and like I said, you just, it changes your routine. Yeah. It's not necessarily good or bad. No. But it does change your routine. Yes. Um, the next thing I have here is it can sometimes be hard for family members to understand the rules, and I'll put these in quotes, the rules that come along <laughs> with it. I know when I first came home, some of the things we talked about, and I'll talk more about this later, but some of the things that we had to do, uh, I had to keep Koa on tie down or leash for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to make sure that when I was taking care of him, nobody else was, you know, changing that or, or you know, not interacting with him more than me and stuff like that. So the family, the kids especially, I think my son was, it was like the third day and he's like, When's yeah. it going to go off the tie down? When's it going to, you know. He was very concerned. Very. I was like, it's only been three days. It's going to be fine. And he is fully off the tie down and leash now. And well, actually, he's on tie down right now because the last time we did an episode, <laughs> he's wandering around the house. But uh, he's fully off. He's off the leash. You know, the kids, it's very, it's very normal now, yeah. you know. Yes. Um, but that can be a little bit difficult for family members to understand when they first come home. Well, for sure. And then the other things like when we're out, you know, and Koa is working, the, it's difficult for the kids to kind of make that disconnect between at home, they can play with him and talk to him and pet him whenever they want. And then when we, he is out, then, in, you know, they're, they're just 
torn between, mm-hmm. oh, I can't touch him. Oh, I can't talk to him. Yeah. And they, I think that is difficult for them to understand as well. I know Aubrey has a lot of issues with whenever she he gets under the table at restaurants. She's very concerned with him licking the floor and picking up food and things like that and thinks she has to be kind of little mama and tell him no and not to do that and everything. And it's like, no, daddy needs to do that. You are not responsible for him. Well, yeah. and she'll stand right next to him, and then he'll lick her because my dog has a licking obsession, <laughs> and he will lick her, and she's like, "Oh, like you set him up to lick you, you know, by yeah. standing two inches from him." Yeah. Uh, but she's like, "Oh, I didn't touch him. He licked me. It's his fault." Like, well, go away. Like, stop Don't standing stand right so near close. Him. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, some of those things just have to be adapted for and understood, but it can just take some time. Yeah. Um, that just and we did a really good job before you left of talking to the kids about what the expectation were when mm-hmm. he came home yeah. that even picking you up from the airport we were so excited to meet you or to see you there and meet him and even then though they couldn't acknowledge that Koa was there because he was working at right. that point right so we were able to get out of the airport find a place to relieve him and then they were able to meet him once he was off mm-hmm. his harness um but you know, that was difficult because they were so excited and we had seen him on camera, like just FaceTime and stuff over mm-hmm. the two weeks that you were gone. And they were so excited to meet him, but they couldn't touch him. They couldn't right. talk to him. Yeah. So that was very difficult. <laughs> it was difficult. Absolutely. Uh, but that just takes time. And so far in the two months he's been here, I think it's really, you know, he's adapted to part of our very family. Well. And those sort of rules they're getting used to. Uh, the next thing I have is uh, he is first and foremost, or she is first and foremost, a dog. And I think that's important to remember because when you're bringing home a guide dog, it's this grand, wonderful mobility tool that helps you walk faster and avoid obstacles and, you know, things like keep you safe and things like that. But they are a dog. For example, we took Koa to get a bath today and he just looked like a dog like everybody else because he's a dog. And so it wasn't like they're like, oh, he's a guide dog and he's a mobility tool. No, they didn't use those words because he's a dog. And so it's important to remember that when you're bringing that dog home, they're going to have... you know, different things. They're going to have misbehaviors and so forth. And so you have to be aware of that. You have to understand that. Like, so you have to feed water and groom the dog because Mm -hmm. it's a dog. Needs to be Um, taken care of. You know, you have to, as my wife mentioned, you have to deal with shedding. Uh, That's dog shed, period. There is, there's no way around that. Dogs just shed. You have to deal with it. Uh, Like I said, misbehaviors. For example, he got into puzzle pieces the other night uh they were working on a puzzle and for some reason he thought they tasted good and ate i don't know a fourth of the puzzle probably. quite a bit of it yeah so um i i think he's pooped some of it out but <laughs> so far he's good I don't know. but that's just um you know a possible thing that's going to happen because they're a dog right and so that's important to remember not just for uh, the VIP, but for the sighted supporters as yeah. well. Well, and that's another thing in routine that changes going back up to that point. You know, we've started to have to vacuum more frequently and mm-hmm. sweep the floors more frequently and just making sure that things are not, he doesn't go and eat things on a regular basis. I'm not saying that he does that, no. but just making sure that things are kind of out of his reach. I mean, he is mm-hmm. a dog. He does have a nose and things smell good to him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you were, you had something on your desk last night, then he was kind of like coming over because that's like right at his nose height. Oh, yeah. So he was like sniffing at it and you had to move it so that he wouldn't <laughs> be tempted by it and potentially grab it off the desk, which he's not done that with food. But at the same time, it's just something you have to think about. Absolutely. He's a dog. There's a good possibility that that could happen. Yeah. And even if they're highly well-trained, smart dogs, they're still dogs. <laughs> uh, the other thing is to remember, uh, and, and this 
this I think just takes time and we've kind of briefly talked about it, but the idea of how the family me- members adapt to while the VIPs working with the dog. Yes. So it's not just, you know, standing around, like I mentioned, my daughter standing next to the dog, like if we're in Walmart or something, but the, working the dog. Koa walks way faster than any of my family yeah. on a normal basis. He just, you know, he walks way faster than I normally used to walk. So that's one of the things, like, wow, they walk really fast. Or uh, doors, for instance. I hate going up to doors because everybody wants to hold the door for you. Well, the problem, what I like to do is find the door and that sort of thing because it's this thing. Koa is trained to stop in a doorway if it is a single door. If it's a double door, like you go into a Walmart or Target, they go through that automatic door. It's not a stop point. But a single door, they should stop because if you're going really fast, you might slam into the side of the door, you know, and you've only got so much it's space. Narrow. Yeah. Well, the problem is Koa can see that door open. He's like, you know what? We'll just go through it. It's fine. And sometimes he'll blow that stop point. Well, then it's a whole thing where I've got to hold him back and do the thing and the person's standing there waiting. Right. And so family members can, they're trying to be gracious and kind and hold the door or of whatever. Course. So there are those moments where you have to learn to adapt to how the person works with a dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was, what happened? Oh, um, my son actually had a thing where uh, we were walking out of a store and he just walked into the street because he saw nothing coming. Well, I had to stop and then I had to turn and go find a landmark and go back to the car. And he was like, what? Why don't you just go out right. there? You know, he just didn't understand. He didn't understand. So adapting, have you found that not necessarily a challenge, but have you had to think um, about it a little more? A little bit. So a lot of times I just, I'm, in undecided still, even after two months of you guys, of you guys being home, um, undecided as to whether I should go through the door and just let it close and make it look like I'm rude to all of the people around me. <laughs> or, what a jerk! Right, because you didn't hold your you didn't hold the door open for your blind husband. My gosh, what do you just horrible? Man. Jeez. Um, or should I hang back and let you find the door first? Um. And open the door on your own and then us follow in, take the door from you. Um, and things like that happen all the time on the sidewalk. Should I walk in front of you or should I walk behind you? Can I walk? I can't usually walk beside you because the sidewalk's not big enough for the mm-hmm. dog and two people. Mm-hmm. Um, things like in the grocery store, do you walk behind me, in front of me, beside me? Do you hold on to the cart? Do you, what? How does that work? Like we're right. still figuring a lot of sure. those things out. Absolutely. So, you know, just adapting in that aspect has been a little difficult because I'll try it one way and then feel like a rude idiot by not holding the door open for you or I'll do it the other way and then I get impatient because they're stopping at the door and then he's treating Koa and then he's opening the door and then we can go in and Mm -hmm. it's like I could have already been in and started doing what I needed to do by now. And I think that's that's that part where you're learning to adapt and change routine and such because let's say we're walking in from a parking lot and there's a curb up to the door or something. Well, we stop at the curb. Right. Then we stop at the door. Yes. Then we got to get into the, you know, it's the whole thing. Yeah. Well, if I'm by myself, there's no no problem. That's great. He found right. the curb. I didn't trip up the curb. He, you know, found the door. I don't have to search for a handle. It's great. But when you're with people who can see and have no problem with that, they're like, I could have been in and sit in and sat down by this point, you know. Right. So it is just having that patience, that understanding and learning. How does this best work? Because maybe going in and just, you know, leaving me behind and going in, doing your thing is mm-hmm. is a good choice. You just have to get over that part where you feel like, I look like a jerk well, to, to these people. It might be a good choice, but at the same time, then once you get in, you don't know where we've gone. Right. Like, Koa doesn't 
have a command of, you know, find April. (laughs) He's not going to just find me wherever I am in the store or in the restaurant or whatever it might be. One thing I will say that's been nice is we go to a church that's a little bit of a larger church and there's lots of people. So when we are getting out of church and everyone's kind of filing out of the sanctuary into the you know, large hallway, it's kind of nice to be behind Derek and Koa because they just plow through all those people <laughs> and we just follow right along. It's like parting the seas in a way it and is. we just follow through and Koa finds his way and it we get out of there pretty quickly. That is true. There's a, I remember there's like this kind of sign on the, on the floor that's advertising something, I assume. And he'll like walk around people, darts that sign, like, you know, boom, boom, boom yep. to the door. Nice and, and quick. Yeah, really. It's, it's great. And so there's just a lot of things to remember when uh, you have a dog, but especially with a guide dog, when you're out and you're working the dog because everybody's got to adapt and change your routine just a little bit. Yeah. Hey, VIPs, it's Derek, and I wanted to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by Ira. Yeah, Ira, the visual interpreter. If you've ever been out and about and you wonder what something is, maybe a location, uh, something at Walmart, or even checking the mail, Ira has specially trained agents that can see through your camera phone or through a special set of glasses, and they can help you figure it out. It doesn't take the place of mobility tools like a white cane or a guide dog, but it can give you that extra bit of assistance when you need it. So if you'd like to check out Ira, you can do it for totally free. Download the app for free, register for free, and even use it for free. So go ahead and check it out. Use the link in the description of this video or in the show notes at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 083 and check it out. You help the channel and you get a free win because you can use Ira and it's totally free. So check it out at the show notes, lifeaftersightloss.com slash 083 or in the description of this video. So that's just a few things to kind of keep in mind or, you know, think about as the guide dog comes home, especially if you're getting ready to bring your guide dog home or if you've just started the process because maybe you're thinking, what, what are the things I need to think about? for my family, especially if you have a spouse and children. So now we just want to give a few pieces of advice. Now, again, we're new guide dog users right now. Yes, I've had a guide dog in the past, but I've got older kids. We're in a much different situation in life and things like that. So this is still new to us, but this is kind of pieces of advice that uh, I think is important. So the first thing is be patient. This is for the sighted supporter. This is for the VIP. This is for the family. It's for everybody. (laughs) Be patient. Because let's just face it, no matter how long your training was, it could have been two weeks or a month or whatever, it's going to take time for you to adapt as a team. So the first thing is to be patient when you're working the dog. Koa still makes mistakes occasionally. He's a great, great guide dog. He really is. I mean, he's fantastic. Uh, my daughter even makes mention like, cause Koa licks all the time. And I'm like, okay, no more licking. She's like, why did, if you don't want him licking, why didn't you ask for a different guide dog? I'm like, <laughs> well, first of all, licking's not that big a deal. And secondly, he's a great guide dog. I want this dog, but he still makes mistakes occasionally. And that's okay. You know, he's not quite two years old yet. And it's just important to be patient whenever you're working. And I think for the sighted supporters as well, uh, spouse, kids, family, whomever, to be yeah. patient. And I think that's really, I think that's fair to, you know, Absolutely. not to force it on people, no. but to be patient. It is. And I, like I said, I am not a very patient person in most circumstances. So it has definitely been a challenge for me to um, practice patience. But, you know, little at a time, I'm getting used to it and we're all working together and it's all, you know, we're becoming a cohesive family with Koa as well. Yes, absolutely. So first one, be 
patient. Secondly, develop a routine. Now, this is, again, for everybody. Develop a routine. I get up at a certain time in the morning, uh, water, feed. Some of the the feeding, water, and grooming routines uh, can be done or given to you from your school. But develop a routine at home because that way the dog at least is... um, Set, You know, what you do with the dog is set. I'm going to groom on these days. I'm going to feed at this time. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to work this time, whatever. Set that routine so that the other stuff in your life kind of just adapts around it. Uh, I think routine in general is really, really important. But set a routine for everything. And I think that helps the sighted supporters as well. They know what's coming up. Yeah, I think it does. And then we can also be supportive in the fact that, okay, we know that the dog eats at this time. So we need to make sure we're either home or that we have food out or that... And that we're at a place where we can feed him or give him water, either one. Um, You know, it also allows us to know what to expect. So, you know, if you don't have that routine, it's just kind of chaotic. And so then as a VA or as a sighted supporter, sorry, um, you can be ready for what's coming next. So the more you can have that routine, the better it is for everybody. Absolutely. Third... I encourage you to follow the guidelines that the school gave you when you were in training. Some of the guidelines they have seem like, oh, they, they want you to keep the dog on tie down and on leash for at least two to three weeks. And it's like, oh, I can't do that. That's crazy. Or they want you to feed at certain times or groom at certain times or do these certain things when you're out just on the leash or whatever. Whatever your school says, I encourage you to listen to that and follow that because they've been doing this a long time, most likely, and they've worked with a lot of dogs and it's probably going to be the best for you in your situation. Because if you come home and you let the dog off the leash immediately, or you completely change their food routine, or, or whatever, it's going to throw the dog off, it's going to not be good for your family, and it's probably going to affect their work in the long run. So follow right. the guidelines that the school gave you. That's really more for the VIP, but it's going to help the sighted supporters because... Because it's going to show them that you're really serious about this and you're doing your best to make it work as much as possible. Right. Does that make sense to yeah, you, dear? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, fourth, and this is kind of for the decided supporter, be supportive, <laughs> but don't be afraid to say what you're feeling. Right? Right. Be supportive. Okay, hey, like, for example, if the dog has to eat then be understanding and supportive that it's like, okay, well, we're going to have to pause while the dog eats. We can't leave right now or we're getting ready to go to a restaurant or a store, but we have to wait till the dog eats or things like that. You know, be supportive. But don't be afraid to be like, hey, this is annoying or or whatever the case may be. Or just compromise in the fact of if you have to be somewhere, let's say the dog eats at six o'clock. Well, if you need to be somewhere at six o'clock, then compromise and talk about, is it possible that we feed the dog before we leave? Can we leave just a few minutes early so that we can get there a smidge before six and feed the dog when we get there? Something of that nature. And that's just one example. But, you know, talk about it, share your feelings. And, you know, there's always compromise that can be had. Yeah. And and for the VIP, don't be afraid to compromise. Like, well, you know, I can't believe you're not letting my dog eat or whatever. It's like, <laughs> calm down. Like, they're not saying that, that they're being supportive. Um, but I don't know for you, dear, and, and we've talked a lot about this, so maybe not for you, but does it ever feel like, well, I don't want to say that because I don't want him to feel like I'm saying something bad about his grand mobility tool or anything like that. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know if you feel like that. But. I don't know if I would go that far, <laughs> grand mobility tool. <laughs> um, but... I mean, yes, sometimes I don't want to, it's more of an, I don't want to hurt your feelings kind of thing. I don't want to discourage you or, Mm -hmm. um, criticize what you're doing or the progress you've made and things like that, I think is, is more of it. It's not because 
it's anything that Koa has done or you have done specifically. It's just, can we find a way to make this work better? Yeah. Or I'm feeling left out and alone because I'm five miles behind you while you're walking, you know, 10 mm. miles an hour down the road. Yeah. 90 miles an hour. 90 miles an hour. <laughs> Very true. You're walking 10 miles an hour. Yeah. I yeah. do walk quickly, but she does Koa walk. Does still work, walks faster than I That's do. That's the funny thing. Just as a side note, the funny thing, before I got Koa, she always walks so much faster. I was like, why, why are we walking so fast? And then we get Koa and he's just like, like a bullet, you know, and yeah. she's like, well, bye. You know, I'm back here. Um, Basically. But yeah, I, and I think compromise is so important when, you know, it's like as the VIP, you don't get offended and be like, well, I know what I'm doing with the dog. I went through training, but it's like, no, we're all on the same page here. We're all just trying to make this work the best that we can. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and finally, this is just a piece of advice I think I have to take for myself. Don't overwork the dog. It's okay to take some breaks. It's not okay to never work the dog, obviously. But when I first came home, it was like, we got to get out. We got to go for a walk into the park, downtown, you know, yes. a sidewalk, sidewalk, list, blah, 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 all these just go, 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 go. And finally, I think at one point he was kind of making mistakes. He was a little bit distracted. I think it was like, I need a break. I'm like, tired. Let's just take a day. And it was really hot. It was. Versus, you know, Oregon. Especially that, yeah. Yeah. And so it was like, you know what? Let's just have a break and so it's important that they just get downtime i think i was always scared that i was like oh if i don't work him he's gonna forget it all in 24 hours right they won't he doesn't it you know give some well, breaks and i was even saying the other day i think it's amazing how you know he doesn't come upon specific obstacles every day curbs yes doors yes um but other things like I can't think of an example right now, of course. That always happens to me. <laughs> um, he doesn't come upon them all the time. So I'm like, you know, in the matter of, what was it, 12 weeks of training that he had? Yeah, three months, basically. Right. So the the 12 weeks of training, three months that he had, he learned all of this and he absorbed it all enough so that he remembers it when he doesn't approach it every day. Right. So, I mean, dogs are so smart and it's just amazing the things that they do. It's just amazes me yeah well and even like uh, for example we went out with uh, or i went out with uh, a couple of friends and uh, they had not seen koa before and so this was the first time they're meeting him and seeing him work they'd never seen a god dog work and so we went from their vehicle into the restaurant well then when we came back out basically we took the same path backwards yeah and so i was telling them okay now he's doing this we're going to the curb and basically, he found all the, the points where we stopped. He walked all to those points mm-hmm. and then walked right back to the vehicle. And they're like, does he remember this? I'm like, I guess, because, you know, <laughs> he's doing it. And so next time, if we go in that place, we might park somewhere differently, but at least he's got a mindset. Okay, that's the door we want to go in yeah. uh, and that that sort of thing. So, yeah, he's he is amazing. And that's why it's so important to make sure they get downtime, rest time. Yeah. You know, we all need it. We all need self-care and so right. does the dog. <laughs> and I guess my point to that was that just because he doesn't see it all the time or work every single day doesn't mean he's going to forget everything he's learned. Absolutely. And it's really important to remember that and give him a break. Yeah. So that is just a broad overview of what it's like bringing a guide dog home, some sighted supporter perspective, some pieces of advice. And again, we're not the end all be all of this. I do have some resources in the show notes and uh, you can check that out. But it's just important to remember those things and remember that anytime you change something in your life, especially if it's a dog, even a guide dog, it's going to change things. So I want to ask a couple of questions here. First of all, if you've got a guide dog, what's one piece of advice you would have by bringing your guide dog home? What would you share? And what's one thing you're worried about 
if you are preparing to bring a guide dog home. What's one thing that you're like, how's this going to work? Maybe you're in the application process and you're like, well, I live in an apartment or a house or I have kids or I have whatever. What's that going to be like? We don't actually have, for example, don't have any other pets right now. So that Mm -hmm. might be a fear of yours. But what's one thing that you're kind of worried about? And maybe we can link those questions up. One piece of advice, one thing you're worried and smash them together. And that's how that would work. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, as we draw near here to the end of things, we do have housekeeping items because, well, that's how the podcast works. And the first thing we want to remind you to do, as always, is to subscribe to the podcast. Absolutely. So if you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications so you don't miss another episode. And if you're listening to the audio version, you can subscribe in your favorite podcast catcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. Um, It's even on Spotify, I believe. If you go to the show notes at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 083, you will find buttons right under the audio player and you can subscribe and you won't miss another single episode. Uh, You can also hit us up on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, at Facebook and Instagram, it's at Life After Sight Loss. And on Twitter, it's at Sight Loss Life. And you can also email me, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at lifeaftersightloss.com. I love hearing from people, your questions, your comments, all that stuff. Let me know about it. Uh, also, dear, I want to give you uh, a final thought here. What's what's something you would tell people uh, from a sighted supporter perspective about bringing a guide dog home? Great question. I think we've talked about so many things today. I'm like blanking now. I had something earlier, but then we talked about it. So, <laughs> well, like, you can mm. you can bring it back around. That's no problem. Um, I think it's just the the idea of I don't know how else to say it, but being left behind, left out. Mm. Um, and not that that has happened. Like that truly hasn't happened. Um, but. You know, you and I used to go on walks through the neighborhood and we would walk beside each other and we would have these great discussions a lot of times. We would hash out um, ideas and and thoughts and, you know, dreams and things like that. And we can still do that. Don't get me wrong. We still have those great discussions, but it's much more difficult to do it while we're walking now because Koa is with us and I'm usually behind or or ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And at that same time, then you don't always hear everything I say. I don't always hear what you're telling me. So that is making, that kind of makes it a little bit difficult. So you have to then try to adapt to find those other times to reconnect, I guess. Mm -hmm. So making time for us to be able to talk on a regular basis that we can't do whenever we're walking anymore as Mm -hmm. easily. Um, Or sometimes, you know, give Koa a break and let us go for a walk on our own, which we have done a couple of times. We've left him um, and just gone and walked on our own. And we've been able to to get back to that and to do those things again. So it's just adapting um, your daily activities to a new circumstance and making it work for you. So I think maybe the the whole point there is to make an effort. Right. Make an yeah. effort, especially if you're in a couple, like in a relationship or with your kids or any family members or any friends for that matter, make an effort because the dog is going to change things right. on in a lot of different ways. So make sure you're making an effort in the relationships that you have. So we've got our quote of the week or quote of the episode or quote of the thing. Anyway, we've got there's our quote, quote today. Yes, there's a quote. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, looking at dog quotes, there's a bajillion dog quotes out there. Uh, there weren't a lot of specific guide dog quotes, but I think as we talked about, they're dogs first and foremost. And I like this quote. So, hun, why don't you give us the quote? Sure. This is from Doris Day. And she says, I have found that when you are deeply troubled, there are things you get from the silent, devoted companionship of a dog that you can get from no other source. 
Yeah, I mean, the companionship is a huge part of a guide dog. A lot of times, loneliness is one of those hard moments uh, for so- people who are going through sight loss because mm-hmm. they sit at home by themselves or, you know, they're not interacting with a lot of people and the dog can provide companionship that no one else can or like no one else can. Right. And I think that's such a such a crucial thing. They're not just a mobility tool. Uh, people have described them in lots of different ways, like best friend, mm-hmm. soulmate, partner, things like that. And uh, it's true. Good job, Doris Day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we have talked about a whole lot of stuff. Make sure to check out the show notes. Make sure that uh, you check out the resources and all that stuff. And if you have questions, comments, or thoughts, you can leave them in the comments of this video or send me that email, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at lifeaftersightloss.com, and let me know all about it. Thanks again for listening wherever you are. And until next time, remember that sight loss isn't the end. It's just the beginning. My name's Derek. And I'm April. And we'll see you in in the the next next one. Thank you.